0: This is the Dive Bomb Squadcast, presented by Dive Bomb Industries. What's up everyone? Welcome back to the Dive Bomb Squadcast. I'm your host, Asher Tolliver. Hopefully by now, most of you are thawed out and getting to enjoy some of this beautiful spring weather. I've seen plenty of turkeys hitting the dirt, so if you're still after one or waiting for your season to open, we wish you the best of luck. There is nothing quite like hunting with a well-trained retriever. Time spent in the field is always more enjoyable with our four-legged friends by our side. And today, I am joined by a man that spends his days training high-caliber British Labradors just outside of Oxford, Mississippi, owner of Sporting Life Kennels, Mr. Marty Roberts. Marty, what's happening, my friend?
1: Hey, buddy. How are you?
0: I'm doing great, Happy man. Happy
1: to be you today.
0: Yes, sir. Thank yeah. you for uh, hopping on with us, man. I uh, I'm really really enjoyed this time of year. Trying to keep up with the uh, the little ones running wild. Got another one on the way. Got ball practice tonight. Uh, so all <laughs> is well, man. I got a, uh, I got a little red fella snoozing between my legs right now. A little little guy named Simba. You might be familiar with.
1: Love that little dog. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Samba's yeah,
0: my buddy. It, you know, it's funny how yeah. how dogs, they, they'll take on other names. Like he, he goes with me on a lot of trips, but he doesn't get to go everywhere with me because sometimes logistically right. it just, you know, it doesn't make sense hopping from place to place yeah. all over the country. Yeah, right. But while I was gone, somehow this season he took on the name Ruby from my two year old daughter, which. For her, it comes out "wooby" when she says it, and now that has become his unofficial name at home. So, so now he goes by Simba, Ruby, or or Simba Ruby, and and now somehow that has turned into Ruby Tuesday, like the restaurant. Now my wife will call him, "Hey, Ruby Tuesday, come here." So, man, it we're all over the place that's with this hilarious. with this dog, man. That's hilarious,
1: man. It's that,
0: that's funny. He. He's the sweetest though, man. He he doesn't care what you call him as as long as you give him give him some love. You know, everywhere I go, everybody loves him because he's we were talking about this the other day. He's not one of those dogs that's really weird about always having to be right on my hip, but he's just really social with everyone. He's just insanely loyal, but he'll work for anyone. Yeah, that's that's
1: uh that's unusual. Honestly, most—I mean, some dogs will do that. You never know. You just never know which ones will do it, which ones won't
0: do it. That—that's
1: interesting that uh, he'll—he'll work for anyone, Uh, and and it's handy because if you're out, you may be out in this—you know—one end of the spread picking birds up, and then there's a cripple, you know, running or flying, flying, running across, you know. if you didn't see it, your friend could be out of there and just call him over and send him, you know, and that's, right. that's great. I mean, that, that not every dog will do that. Yeah. So when you, you know, that's a blessing really. And, it, and you won't always, it won't always be handy. I mean, I mean, it, it's always handy, but it's not something you see very often, but sure. when it's there, it's there. So that's cool. Yeah. I, I, you know, I can't, I'd like to say, well, I trained him to work for anybody, but that's,
0: that wouldn't be, I trained him, but you know, uh, that's just something he just likes people. So he's an awesome dog, uh, man. He really is. You know, we've talked about it in the past. Simba's not—he's not the most athletic gun dog in the world. But what he lacks right. in athleticism, he more than makes up for with other quality traits. He's—he's he's an incredible listener. His blind manners, his steadiness—they're off the charts. You know, he's definitely stronger in the field than over water. But you know, Marty, he's made some real improvements over over uh, water this season, man. I'm really proud of him.
1: Well, you know, when we talked about this, you know, one time, he was, when he was a puppy, he came to train here, you know, we were, I was concerned. I mean, he didn't, uh, he didn't, he, he, um, you know, he, he was not a super water dog at first. Mm-hmm. And, and I was concerned, you know, his siblings, were and other dogs here were. He just took longer to come around. At one point you and I, you know, were concerned. And then all of a sudden he kicked in. He kicked in all the way around. You know, I was at one point, you know, we were thinking about washing him out, you know. And you were like, No, I I can't I can't can't not just keep going see what happens. Really within a couple of days he flipped the switch and uh, really took off. uh, all the way around, uh, you know, and then, but you remember we didn't work him much in the water. That's right. Uh, before you got well, cause because I told you
0: I said, "Hey, man, I'm going to be spending a lot of time in Canada. We're going to be spending a lot of time in the field, and we've got to make this a priority."
1: Well, yeah, that, and also though, because I was having problems with him in the water. Uh, about the time he started getting pretty comfortable, you, know, you had to leave, and he had to go to Canada. That's right. Uh, and, and, um, uh, and then pretty much you hunted fields all fall, Mm uh, up until the winter. And then, you know, you had some, you had some, some water problems with you then. And, you know, but after the season, you you just hammered it out, went down the Arkansas river while it was still cold and just started working, working, working. And it came came around, you know, um,
0: He's so confidence driven, you know? I mean, everything he does is you can see it in his eyes when he when he's feeling good about. It. I mean, that that big old diesel, that Denali diesel, the dive bomb truck out there, it sits really really high. And the funniest thing ever, Nick and Kate and they'd be so proud of him, but for the first year, you'd really kind of have to get him kind of get him lined up and get him hyped up to jump into that truck. He just did not like to jump. He could do it because I've seen him We'll be running yeah. around the kids, and he'll freaking if, – if he's chasing you and you jump on yeah. the trampoline, that dude will leap up there and not miss a beat. But yeah. it's he just kind of had this little mental block about it, and you could see it. And now th- they'd sure be proud of him. Now I open that door, and that dude just shoots up that thing like it's nobody's business, and it sits really high. Um, but he, it was he, just one know, of those things that great. once he got it and felt good about it, he just – he does it every right. time. And he was kind of the – a little bit like that with water he hadn't been exposed to it much and now he's just getting better and better and really i think with the steps he's taken in the right direction you know become a more well-rounded hunter i I really think next year you know it's all gonna it's gonna come together i really do
1: you know uh, but you know even as when, when he came here to train i'd have to show him you know i'd have to show him what i wanted right and at first, you know, even getting up on the tree stand,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: it, it bothered him to hop up on something, yep. you know, and yep. don't know why. I wish I could talk to him, you know, <laughs> uh, the other puppies are all flying around, jumping all over everything, but they're all individuals. They're like, they're like children, you know, and I have to treat each one of them as an individual. Um, and we, we train all breeds and we, you know, we, we have the the breeding program. For the British dogs, and I love them. I think they're incredible. But we also train, you know, uh, any type of retriever, right? Whether it's a you know American field bred lab, which I I love those, and and, uh, and we'll get some Chesies in here some, and we'll, we've had we get Goldens in, and we get some Boykins in some. Uh, we train all of them, and they're all individuals. So mm-hmm. just like with with Simba. Instead of, you know, just trying to force him into everything, I would pretty much just through encouragement, right. um, just kind of show him. And then once he got it, he got it yep. and then he was fine with it. You yep. know? So one thing we, we have to do in our, in our program is we, 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 there's a, there's a phrase, there's a saying that you train the dog in front of you. so. Instead of trying to force uh, a, a square peg into a round hole, we, we try to. It makes you think. You just have to. If you're going to be successful across the boards, you got to think outside the box and see what might help mm-hmm. that particular dog. And we, you know, um, in his case, uh, I think we used a lot of food uh, to get him to climb on <laughs> the stuff. Once we just do it. Well, once we you know once we did it, then we just didn't use it anymore. That's right. But if we wanted showing something, showing showing something new, we'd use it and we would fade it, and then he was fine with everything. Right. Some dogs, you know, you're you're using you know just different odds and ends. If we've got a dog that's too soft, say uh, say they like to retrieve, say they they love to retrieve, but they can't take much correction. Uh, and let's say that you know, we feel like they're too soft to force fetch, then we may do a, a conditioned hole with them. And then if say we're having some more problems with maybe you know, picking something up, this kind of, is kind of crazy, but I learned it uh, from some guys overseas, and, and we'll take white rabbit fur, and we will i get it online. Well, it's, it's just basically rabbit skin, mm-hmm. and we'll wrap a bumper, in the rabbit skin and then we'll uh i've hardly ever seen a dog that wouldn't pick that up they Mm -hmm. just love how it feels and how it smells so then we can start using that to to create a behavior of fetch and delivery right and then usually once they're doing that really well uh then we'll just go to canvas bumpers and then we may eventually end up with plastic bumpers but we may we'll take a dog that uh, maybe would force fetch and still got the same results. It took longer longer to get there, but we've had to think outside the box uh, to get there. So, um, I just encourage people to always try to keep an open mind uh, and try to reach that dog. Versus, you know, I love programs. I suggest people follow a program, but also understand that you you need to constantly be trying to, you know, you need a basic program that you're following, and then when you get hiccups, you need to think outside the box.
0: Right. Still
1: stay within that program uh, the best you can. But uh, anyhow, I guess I'm rattling about. No, I, I mean, I think
0: that's coaching. awesome. I, I, You know, it's kind of – let you think of baseball, you know, there's a, there's a general way that you have to, say, spin a baseball to throw a curveball. But if I go and ask somebody with an elite curveball, let's say Clayton Kershaw, if I go ask Clayton Kershaw exactly how he throws his curveball, he can show me – exactly how he throws it but for me to get it to spin properly there's different factors in the way i throw a baseball the way i release the baseball heck it even comes down to my finger shape and length so i've got to find out maybe that general grip and that general idea of how to spin the curveball is the right general idea but i have to find a way to make it work for me so that i um, have a pitch that's effective so you got a dog that you you give him a general outline and simba He's the same way. Yeah you, you you know what really makes him click. You know how how to get yeah. the most out of this dog. If I really need him to, to run a strong strong line on a long blind, I know exactly what I need to do to get him dialed to do it. And and Cade and Nick they've they've seen it enough where they could do it as well they he's just got little things that make him click. And I would say most guys, yeah. once they learn the personality of their dog, what they can take, what they can't take, they, yeah. there's probably nobody that can run them the way you can run them. Like going back Simba, he would run for anybody, but there's nobody that can run him as efficiently, right. and as effectively as I can, because I know exactly right. what makes him click. I know how to get him to line up right yeah. when he's not lining up right. And, um, right. you know, Overall, man, I bet this dude, you know, I bet he's picked up 1,200, 1,300-plus birds in his first two seasons. But what's probably more impressive is the variety of places and settings he's been exposed to in just two years. He's hunted in three Canadian provinces, probably 15 states. So he's, he's quite the traveler. And the best part about Simba is no matter where we are, on an airplane, in a hotel, at a nice lodge, around a ton of other dogs. I never, ever have to worry about him. And as a male dog, he seems to get along with those dominant dogs that don't get along with other dogs. I guess they just don't sense him as an alpha because he definitely isn't. He's, he's certainly more on the softer side.
1: Yeah, he is. Yeah. That's interesting.
0: But he's a traveler, man.
1: Yeah. You've taken him everywhere. That's for sure. I mean, that's, that's, you know, it's it's nice when you have a dog that you you don't have to you know worry about uh, just uh, just take travel on airplanes.
0: Just a plane, for yeah. precious
1: uh, You know, we've gone you know we've gone to Canada for some every year. We didn't last past year, but you know we've been able to take our dogs with us. And it's nice going to an airport or you know get onto the plane place they 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 lay down at your feet and you never have to worry about them right uh, and, and they're really better behaved than uh a lot of children and, and uh it, it's it's nice to have a dog that you can do that with you know and i think it's a couple of, you know, of course it's, you know, it's more than a couple but but two main things one is genetics i think you you know, you need to try to find a dog that comes from, um, it comes from uh, dogs that that have an off switch. You know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't do enough homework on that. Everybody wants to drive. I mean, that's number one for me is drive. Sure. But also, you know, right behind it is an off switch. Otherwise, the drive never goes away. And you, you end up with the dog.
0: And they drive you crazy. Which, <laughs>
1: Yeah, they drive you crazy. They're just kind of spastic and they can't settle. So ideally, especially for hunters, but really for anybody, but just to say for you and I, ideally you want a dog that has a drive but but has an off switch. So genetics matter, A, number one. Two, just as important as training, the right training. Uh and when they come together, you end up with what we call as calm but ready. You end up with a dog that's calm but ready to go. Um, and that's sort of our saying over here. That's what we, we breed and train, train for. And we get it right most of the time. I mean, nothing's 100%. Right. If anybody tells you they're 100% in their breeding program, 100% in their training program, right. either they hadn't bred much, they hadn't trained much, or they're liars. So... Uh, you know, but we've got a high percentage of of, of, uh, of, of that type of product that, that Simba is. Um, um, and, and it takes a lot of work. It, uh, it takes a lot of research. It takes a lot of uh, effort all the way around. And uh, so uh, I'm kind of getting off subject here other than to say that, that the what we're talking about is a dog, you can take
0: anywhere. Right. I like how they can read the vibe of their surroundings. You know, like if I've got my kids around and they're being wild and running in the backyard, man, he's a, he's a nutcase. You know, he, he spins circles. He's tearing sure. up the grass. He's he's going off the wall, man. Sure. If I get a bumper, he's ready to go. But, man, if I take him and I'm around some elderly folks, you know, uh, we'd spend some time with my wife's grandparents, it's like he he reads the... The vibe of the room, he senses the nature of the situation and he acts appropriately. He knows when he can be crazy and bounce off. I mean, there's times my mom's seen him playing with the kids and she's like, this is the same dog that you put at your feet on an airplane, like in the cabin. And I'm like, yes, mom, he is well behaved. He is better behaved than my two kids on an airplane. And it's not even close. You don't even know he's there. People... They see him walk on the plane. They never know he's there. I walk off the plane. They're like, I didn't, I didn't know you had a dog there." It's like, well, that's that's the point. That's that's what I hope it's always like, and it always has been. But it's, you know, you talk about that off switch, man. It's um, you know, it's awesome. I've talked with Nick and Cade several times, you know, on the road, and we talk about how he's he's not one of those dogs that you know in the field they make your jaw drop, but he's just one of those that they're really hard to get frustrated with. He's like that kid on the team that hits in the middle of the lineup, but he works his ass off to be the best that yeah. he can. You know, you don't ever have to worry about yeah. him interfering with a hunt. He doesn't whine. He doesn't break. He's just a fun dog to hang out with uh, at the lodge yeah. or hotel. He just likes being with the boys, and, and they love him. Marty, you remember when you sent me pictures of him when he was a puppy, and I was – I was worried that he wasn't going to be as fox red as I wanted. I I told you, I said, Marty, if he's too light, my friends that I hunt with in the woods will disown me if I'm hunting with a white dog, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember that.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. uh, He ended up a nice, he's a good color. He did,
0: man. He turned out so much more red than I ever thought. He's, He's very unique, and he looks dang good in pictures, man. He's so so photogenic but uh we'll, we'll move on from simba um just wanted to talk about him a little bit you had a little background with him but he's doing great now while waterfowl season you know for the most part may be in the off season this is prime time for you guys this is the time of year sporting life kennels is turning someone's dreams of that rock star dog into reality can you tell me what a work day this time of year consists of
1: yeah, so we've got uh, – we, so we've probably got – I've got four or five people that do work our kennels. Now, they're part-time. Most of them are college students. But we're going to have any one time, we're going to have four or five people uh, you know, working kennels, and I'm going to have uh, probably four trainers, including me. Okay. Uh, they're following my program, I'm supervising, but we can divide and conquer that way. We're gonna have several dozen dogs in here training. So a typical morning would be uh, getting down here probably about 7.30. Now as it warms up, if it warms up, we'll get, we'll get up here, you know, by midsummer, we'll be down here by six, uh, at least training. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, so the kennel guys come out in the morning, They're doing their things. Uh, We're doing our things. uh, We try to do it before it gets too hot as far as training. Um, And and we've got a very uh, vibrant uh, uh, puppy program. I have a young lady, uh, Alexa Hartman, that's running that. And so spring, summer is uh, a real important season for us. Uh, it's our busiest season for puppies, uh, primarily because I don't like to breed my females in the wintertime. I want them to hunt. So um, all of our females uh, are hunters. We know what we're producing because we, we give puppies to uh, friends. And they take those puppies and they, we, we ra- they raise them. They raise them in the house. They take them places so we know what they're like they're young and they'll send them back here for training so we know what she trains like or her, her pros and cons. Mm-hmm. And so then some of them hunt tests, some of them don't. Uh, but, but what we end up with by the time they're two years old and we're ready to start looking and breed them, we know, we know the dog. They're not just sitting in somebody's kennel just to have puppies. We know right. what she's like what she's like in the home. I'm saying all that to say spring and summer is when we do uh, most of our breeding and so we, it gets busy um, and uh, it's a team effort. Uh, the the mamas come back here, they're moving to my house. We have puppies there and we're taking down our puppy building which uh, we just remodeled uh, and I'm super stoked about that uh, because it's uh, We've got all, uh, we've put epoxy paint everywhere. Uh, uh, we've got cinderbox, epoxy paint, super clean environment. We've got two playrooms now. Uh, so as the puppies develop, they're able to go and play uh, in these rooms. And it's so cool because you'll put them in there, say five weeks old and uh, they don't know, they look around like deer in headlights. By the time they leave here, seven or eight weeks old, they're like stuntmen. They're they're running up ramps. They're going through tunnels. We've got a, a disc. We've got a disc swing in there, and they will jump on that thing and swing. And, Lord, uh, it's crazy to watch how uh, confident they are when they leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, we're taking them outside, and of course, we're doing, you know, we're exposing them to wings and all that uh, and, and getting them ready. But, man, our, I mean, I think we're producing some great puppies. Definitely. And, uh, it really starts with, uh, you know, the genetics. And, and the you know, we've got some, I feel like, some just really solid stud dogs. I, I keep them myself most of. Well, I keep two or three live with me they're with me 24 7 then we've got some others that we breed outside the kennel uh-huh. uh, or i have some friends in Memphis that has has one of my guy of my dogs um, and then brendan hudson keeps uh preacher about half the year mm-hmm. uh, he's back here right now saying all that say that springtime is very busy for us and everybody's getting their dog back in training so we've got dogs coming in we've got new dogs we got you know uh so we're we're doing we're probably keeping about forty dogs in training this time of year. Okay, that's just pretty easily that's pretty easily handled for trainers. Um, and then and then we're gonna have a puppy. So, uh, and we'll be busy starting in February. We we really get busy. We'll be real busy until the end of summer. By by fall, we're still busy. Uh, not as busy but we'll as far as training goes we're 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 starting to slowly curtail back and as we go into hunting season we're probably down to keeping about 15 to 20 dogs in training um um, and then picking back up in february again getting back up to about 40. At, at one time we had as many as 60 dogs in training uh, we, handled it. we handled it. We got them all trained, uh, but it just about killed me. That was five or six years ago, and I said, I'm not doing this. We're scaling back, and we have, and it's, it's, uh, it's just been a much nicer balance. And uh, so it, anyhow. Um,
0: How many acres yeah. are you currently operating on?
1: Well, you've got 40, 42 acres uh here and then uh i've got access to about five other uh places i can easily access here in the area okay uh, so but most of the training's done on our you know on site gotcha uh, and we've got three ponds um we've got a pit with a, a dog box in it and we like to introduce them to that when they're you know, before they leave definitely Got a boat. We like to get a minute out of the boat. We, mm-hmm. we do a lot of training off dog stands. Uh, some dogs will work out dog blinds. Uh, and uh, basically, when a dog comes for basic training, they're going to be here for usually about four months. Some of them could be five or a little bit longer, depending on a lot, it's a lot of factors. But uh, we tell people four to six months, but most go through in about four months. And when they leave, we expect them to know, uh, heal, hear, sit, sit should mean stay, but we also will teach stay, Uh, and the reason is, um, let's say you opened your car door and you didn't want your dog to come out and stand there looking at you, you stay. You just let them know, don't come out of there. So, uh, and then we teach place, we teach down, for lay down, off for not to jump up on people, in, in place we do a ton of work on place uh, and then we go into retrieving we're going to uh, force fetch an e-collar condition uh, we use the lightest settings we can on e-collars the dogs are super happy you know, they run up to us and sit put their necks up because they trust us because we we don't burn them up uh-huh. we're using them you know just enough so, so long as everybody's happy and they're doing what they need to do, it's just it's a good reminder. We need we need it. So, uh, in color condition, force fetch and then we go in. We wanted to be doing triple marks uh, before you know, and steady the shot. Right. Working out of a dog pit, dog line, dog stands, uh, uh, picking up live birds, uh, live mallards before they leave. I think that's important that they're introduced to live birds. Otherwise, you get out there hunting and you've probably seen this, but you shoot, you get a new dog, they run out there and the dog quacks at them and they freeze and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, what just happened? So we, and, and they're scared to pick it up. So we try to deal with that here. Right. Um, so basically, basically, when they leave, we want them ready to hunt. Okay. Definitely. They're going to be doing, they're going to be doing marks going to be steady. Uh, they're gonna be working at different positions uh, and exposed to decoys and all that, so they're ready to hunt. I like to tell people to the first season. I prefer that they don't handle. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. Like if if you've had time to get it done, great. But uh, I think the main thing is that they have the basics in, and then you expose them to hunting. And they're they're learning. So I think I think, and, and people could argue this, and I respect their opinion. Uh, I think the first season ought to be about learning what the hunt is about, how to, how to hunt, how to use their nose, how to use their eyes,
0: uh-huh.
1: get comfortable with th- different environments, and and don't worry as much about having to handle the dog or run blinds, because there's so there, there's enough. Uh, there's enough pressure on that dog learning a new environment and, and, and just a new culture of, of, of hunting that I don't want to have too many expectations on. Mm-hmm. So I want the, you know, the dog to just learn. They're, they're still little. Mentally, they're young. Just let them learn. Uh, some people want them handling before they ever hunt them, and I respect that. Uh, but I tell my clients, let's so let them hunt a season, then send them back, and we'll teach them, you know, to handle. And then the, mm-hmm. by the time they go through the next year, it all starts coming together. And, and then the third season, they are jam up and right. knock the ball out of the park. And, but Definitely. Um, that's, that's kind of our program. So,
0: awesome. You, know, you mentioned yeah. steadiness to shot. Marty, this is a controversial topic, but one that needs to be addressed because it has become a common trend in videos on social media, and that is breaking dogs. As a retriever trainer, what are your thoughts on breaking dogs?
1: Well, that's, you know, it's complicated on one hand because, you know, uh, ideally, you know, I think most people, myself included, you want the dog to be steady. Uh, uh, It's, we hunt timber we hunt um, you know, green green timber and we'll hunt as many as three or four dogs in a whole and we'll hunt a pretty good sized group so what this is what i like in a dog uh, and it takes breathing and it takes uh, training and that is you get to the point to where you're in you know tight quarters birds are coming in and it's, if anybody that hunts green timber and i know you you've, done that most of your life, you know, that they're going to come in, groups come in, they're going to hit the water, got some swimming around, they're going to be inside, they may be five feet from you, Mm -hmm. or they may be, you know, 30 yards from you, but they're close. And, uh, when you reach the point in, what we would expect in a dog is to set, you know, no noise, completely steady, uh, Multiple gunshots going off. Birds don't, dogs don't move until you send them. And when you send them, we want them to go hard, and they do. Uh, And then we clean up, you know, clean up the field. You know, we, we send our older dogs on the blinds, younger dogs on the marks, in and around the decoys, and then back to game on again. We're back. We're back calling, hunting. You know, but it's you know, my dog Oak, for instance, his his first hunt, and I spent a lot of steadiness drills with him. I mean, I, I, and I we can go over that in a second, but I did a lot of steadying with him. He's got a big motor, and it's awesome. I mean, I love it. He goes hard. It doesn't matter how cold the water is. Doesn't matter, you know. It doesn't matter. He goes. But his first hunt, and I you know, I hung my gun up. I did not want to worry about shooting a bird. I've shot enough. Focusing on him. But when, a you know, a year old pup is on a dog stand and a mallard comes in and hits the water, you know, eight feet from him and starts swimming around and he's steady. And I can say, leave it. And he turns away and he looks at the next birds coming in. Uh, that's what I want in a dog.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I'll start off with a young dog. I have him on a leash uh, just to be sure. I don't want him ever to get used to breaking. But to get there, it takes a whole host of, of, of uh, training drills and whatnot. And we'll go over that in a second. But, but you and I have talked about this. a a good bit. And one thing, like you're talking about on your Instagram where you see, well, you'll see eight guns come up out of the layout blind, birds are raining out, and there's a black streak that comes across the screen, and the dog's out in the decoys before the last birds hit the ground. And, uh, that's really dangerous.
0: Um, Is there ever any justification for breaking dog? You know, like guys, you know, they say, a lot of guys say that they got to get the long birds and sailors as quickly as possible before the next wave of birds get to them. Do you think that's a legitimate reason to allow a dog to break?
1: Well, so, so, you know, people could argue this if they wanted to, but I've I've seen it both ways. And, And no, I don't. I don't think there's a reason why on a sailor, that you release the do- or the dogs allowed to break, because you know. Guess what? You know, if you're an outfitter, and you got a, a, a you know it, it, you're gonna have some greenhorns out there hunting with you. Dog breaks on or just goes on a sailor. He might get shot when he crosses in front of you know uh, a, a, a new hunter. I I know from working with you know with Brennan and and, and Preacher. You know Preacher's steady. He's He's steady. He's used to hunting under eight or ten guns. Uh, if there's a sailor, preacher, I mean, uh, Brennan will say, you know, watch it. Watch it. Watch it. And, and, and he is steady. Not He is staring at that bird. And when he knows everyone's done shooting, if the bird's, you know, sailing, then he will release him. You don't have to wait for that last sailor to hit the sure. ground.
0: But once so you long, know the so action long, is seized and the dog is safe.
1: Right. So yeah, Exactly. So then it's the handler that's in charge of all that and not the dog just breaking and going on his own terms. So that's a huge pet peeve of mine. I, I think a lot of people start off teaching steadiness and they want their dog to be steady. But at some point, they give up, you know, they'll, they'll start off doing it. And then one day, the you know, the dog breaks early on and then they would, people get caught up in shooting instead of working on the dog, you know, the puppy beams. instead of focusing on the new puppy or the young dog, maybe having a, a, a training tab, you know. 12, 18 inch training time or even having them leased up, mm-hmm. standing there with the dog or sitting there with the dog and focusing on that dog. So it's never really allowed to get by with it. Most people don't do that. They'll get it steady at home and then they take it hunting and then they have to shoot. Uh, they'll shoot uh, and the dog breaks and, and you know. Just form the
0: new habit and just let it go.
1: Forms a new habit and they let it go uh, because A, a lot of people probably don't know what to do and B, they just sort of at that point accept mediocrity. I mean, they just you know, not to say those dogs aren't incredible hunters because a lot of them are, but you know, it's it's like icing on a cake. You know, I mean, you want the whole you want everything to be there and when you have a dog that Maybe he's doing everything else right but he breaks and you just accept it then it's half baked you know what sure. I mean it's not there it's not complete
0: It just looks so pro you know it just looks so sick whenever you see that dog sitting there steady don't even yeah. know he's there and then the action ceases and then boom you release him and he's just like all over it man he's focused he's dialed in and right it's fun to watch a dog that like you said it's the icing on the cake.
1: Well, I think, I feel like most all of us want that. I just think, I think a lot of people just either get frustrated and give up. Well, I think they probably do. Most people probably just get frustrated and give up. And then they'll use the excuse of, well, he's faster picking cripples up that way. Mm And that's just not true. I mean, I guess it could be true because they're going to get to it quicker. At the same time. At the same time, you brisk the dog's life, and he could have gotten it anyway, you know. He would have gotten it start anyway. You think about, and you talk to, you know, your friends with a ton of outfitters, and those guys are getting, they're having to put shotguns together for some of these clients to show up. You know, they right. get them out of the box, put them together, take them to the field. That guy, he, you know, he sees it. He's sitting there, his dog breaks, and then see, you know, they're not looking at the dog, they're looking at the goose running on the ground in front of them, you know. And they may just raise up and shoot it. They say, you know, your dog's, you know, been hit. It is it is Most any dog's going to break, it's just a matter of when. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, uh, and if a dog doesn't have the desire to break, you know, doesn't have that drive, then it, I probably don't want it. You know, I want a dog that wants to go, but I want a dog that has the self control not to. So, uh, and then it's a matter that's of that's a good point.
0: Yeah, so, that's a good point. Definitely.
1: I mean, we are, we want. I don't want a lazy dog. Sure. I mean, I, I don't. I don't want a lazy dog. I, I you know, I'll probably get home for it. I'm gonna go find me one. I want the dog with most drive I can find, but also has. Uh, temperament that you can shape to get the dog self-control
0: right uh, all right marty it's time for the uh dog bomb Squadcast hot seat are you ready sure what's the most overused name for a labrador retriever
1: right now it's rip rip
0: because of, huh
1: because of yellowstone the move. oh you know, yeah yeah everybody's using rip we've rip. had five rips come in in the last five months is that right drake's a big popular
0: one too yeah i was gonna right go now, with uh, so- drake or cash nobody get mad at me my best friend's no, dog's no, name is no, cash no. it's yeah, just overused cash. man my i mean my no last dog uh you. was named avery another very overused name and she was the best dog yeah. in the world still heartbroken from losing her last year. So nobody get mad at me we're just having fun there are two dogs.
1: Kind of yeah, that's like, right, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Cash, Drake, and now Rip. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all great names. Yeah, yeah, you know,
0: just a lot like of baby
1: them. names, but that's right. But like human baby names, they go in in uh, in, in trends. That's, that's right. Right. So, and then they spell cash. Some people spell it like money cash, and some people spell like, like cash, cash
0: river. river. Yeah. there are two dogs one that one that breaks and one that whines neither of which that can be fixed you got to keep one as your only hunting dog which one are you taking
1: oh lord holy moly you're going to probably hate me after our last conversation but i'm going to want the one that breaks i
0: can't stand um, one i'd be with you as well this is not a hot seat question actually i'm going to come back to it um i'm going to ask you something about about whining dogs but uh i got one more for you what is your least favorite labrador coat color
1: oh dude that's loaded i can't I, I, <laughs> let me say this uh, let, let me say this i can't i you know i love all of them i can't <laughs> i can't man, that, that, oh, man. That, that, that's that's I can't say. Okay. Yeah, there's one there. well, well one, how no
0: about what we can mutually agree on the uh the so-called silver labrador? How about that? Okay,
1: Since it's yeah, not no, even that, really a yeah. thing. How about yeah, oh, how about we agree on that? If we will agree on that.
0: Cuz it's not for real. sure
1: I totally agree and I think it's sad that uh, not that they're not sweet dogs,
0: and they and they certainly and could turn out to be a good hunting dog. But let's not let's not sell can, them for something that they that they aren't.
1: They they can, and we've trained some that were uh, okay little retrievers. But the problem is, uh, well, it's the
0: people that's breeding be, them. That's They're the being bred
1: for they're being bred for their color. That's and, right, and and. And let me say one more thing on that subject: is so many of them have bad coats, and they get alopecia, and they get allergies, and it's very sad. They lose a lot of hair, and we'll, let's just leave it at that. Not saying that dogs are bad; dogs are sweet, sure. and good. It's just irresponsible. It's the responsibility uh, of the
0: people that are that are yeah. up charging and and um, charging. If if they're charging, I'm not a retriever breeder expert, and I'm sure you can. Um, verify or not verify this but i think if people are upcharging for coat colors you probably should proceed with caution
1: yeah and don't don't look let me say this too if you can help it don't if you can help it try not to buy a puppy or just for the coat if, if the color try, try to find the right litter try to find the right pedigree uh, and look at the parents, look at the histories, as best you can on that, and then try to be colorblind if you can. Um, uh, because if you get hung up on a color, sometimes it can bite you in the butt, and you might end up missing out on a really spectacular dog. Um, right.
0: I'm, you know, de- I'm definitely guilty of I- it. I, I wanted a red one, but I knew that, you know, you guys, I knew the dogs that were being put together to make that litter and there was zero question marks. But, you know, I was certainly hung up with wanting a you know, a fox red color dog, but that wasn't just pairing two parents together that's that was gonna make red puppies. There was a lot of a lot of work and a lot of background that went into that litter to ensure that, you know, it was it was a good one. It wasn't just yeah throwing crap at the wall and see what'll stick, you know.
1: Right. And we're careful we try to be real careful in our breedings. You know, uh, we're not 100. Uh, and I, you know, I love. I think Reds are probably the most photogenic. At the same time, uh, most you know, we're. I don't believe in doing multiple generations of Reds. I don't think you should do you know two, three, four, five generations of Red dogs because then you're sure. pretty, you're just There again, you're trying to produce a color and that's where you start getting in trouble. I think you should always try to go back to a black dog about every other generation. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that I think they're better, but I think that they're what the original Labradors were made of. It's just always good to go back to blacks. You Uh, you don't want to get too far removed from that, in my opinion. Just Mm -hmm. because then you start getting...
0: slippery slope right i wanted Um, to touch back on you you know we talked about a a whining dog and a breaking dog and i I, i'm right there with you i would take the the breaking dog all day every day twice on sunday over the whining dog i've i've hunted with them i've had buddies that had them and it's 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 tough i mean it's just it's one of those things that you know it's uh sometimes you just got to deal with it but is there anything that can be done for a whining dog? I mean, I can't imagine once they have established that and they're several years old and it's something they do, you probably can't fix it. But is there anything you can do early on if it looks like that you're going to have a whining dog?
1: Uh, Yeah. So, and people argue with me on this and we've had some arguments, not argument, hard arguments, but we've had some disagreements uh, as far as where the whining comes from. Uh, I think, personally speaking, it, I think 90% of the time, it's an inherited trait. Uh, it, it's passed down from generation to generation. I mean, I 100% believe that. And the reason I believe it is because I've seen it. I've seen it over and over again when I know where a parent, not in our program, but I, you know, I know where parents should find. They... they uh, their dogs are all whiners, or, or, or the majority of them are. And then you'll get in a program like ours where if we have a whining uh, parent, we won't breed them. We, that is, it just I just I won't knowingly breed a dog that whines because it's a pet peeve of mine. And I know from talking to hunters all over the country and have for you know years and years, that's a real problem uh, that drives people crazy. Um, and so, and nobody likes it, you know, they may tolerate it because it's their dog, you know, and, and, but nobody likes it. And then you're that guy that has that dog and, and you may think all your friends enjoy hunting around your dog. And they probably do, but I can promise you that whining is grating on their nerves. And um, that's probably the number one complaint that I, I hear from people um uh, when they're calling me looking for puppies and they're like you know my last one just whined so bad it's just you know he's a great dog and he just it just drove us crazy uh and so
0: I mean what do you do uh, what can you do
1: so so all right so back to your question what do you do so uh, first of all you need to when you're looking at litters you need to look for litters with no the best you can tell with no whining. Oh,
0: I'm talking about if you got one, you got one. You, I know, I know. I'm, I'm leading up. Okay, that. okay, so, okay.
1: But first of all, you need to try to, if you know, pick something that comes from dogs that don't whine. That's number one. Number two. Um, if you've got a dog that whines, then let's say from an early age, um, he, he is he's whining. You don't you don't want to feed that. Might be a bunch of marks where you're, you know, he starts, you know, you get the bumper out, and he's just going nuts, and he's being very vocal. You have to be careful with that. So uh, some people will you, know, you get a dog out, you know, you get somebody out in the field to throw a bumper for you. The dog gets vocal. You put it back in the kennel, in the crate, and then you get, and then you work some other dogs. You get it back out. You take it to the line, sit it down. You know, or even if it's a little puppy, you take it up there. And even if you're holding, it, it just starts getting vocal, nope. You know, take it, put it up again. Uh, and then if you, and then you just wear it down. Eventually, once it settles down, and hopefully doesn't whine, then they're rewarded with the bumper. Uh, if you started doing that at an early age, real early age, just delaying or denying retrieves if they're vocal, and and allowing them to go if they're not vocal, you know, even if it's just a split second. If, they, if you line up there, they hadn't made a squeak, that thing hits the ground, they hadn't made a squeak, you release them, um, then they're rewarded. You line them back up, they make a noise, you put them back up in the crate. So you, you, you start that uh, at an early age, you have your best chance of uh, not letting that happen. Uh, now, once it happens, um, you could use the same techniques as say the dog's older, you come to the line, the dog makes a noise, you put it up. Bring it back out, makes a noise, you put it up. Bring it back out, uh, it's rewarded when it's quiet. Um, now, some people will have success with electric the collar. The dog makes a noise. Does, you know, say it's collar conditioning. It makes a noise. You can say hush or quiet. You nick them on the collar, and then they make that association. And it, it 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 can greatly help. A lot of times the dogs don't realize they're doing it. They're not necessarily doing it on purpose. It's in their genetics to do so. Right. So you're you're basically trying to reprogram genetics. Uh, because they're, it's like, it's like, you know, I have, you know, for lack of a better word, I'm doing it right now, shaky leg syndrome. So, <laughs> well, it drives my wife crazy. I'm on, I'm on the couch watching TV, and my leg will just shake. You know, I just start shaking my leg. I don't know I'm doing it. Yeah. But if you, but <laughs> you put a, say, an e collar on my leg, and every time I moved it, I got, you know. I got nicked. I'd probably start, start thinking. <laughs> thinking more and more about not shaking that leg. Sure. So, so keeping that in mind, that's one way you could, um, you know, you can potentially correct with the knee collar. It works with some dogs, a lot of dogs. It doesn't work with, I've seen it work. I've seen it work well and I've seen it not work. Uh, so denying the retrieve, uh, And then correcting with an e-collar are two ways of doing it. I've heard some people, if the dog makes a noise, they'll squirt lemon juice in their mouth. (laughs) I haven't tried that myself. Um, I've heard some people have had success with that. You know, hush, squirt, you know, squirt lemon juice in their mouth. Uh Uh, I know with puppies, little puppies, uh, if they're in the house and they're on, say, uh, in their crate, or if they're on uh, a dog bed, uh, we do quiet time and we'll say, have a cot, a little dog bed. We'll take a leash, clip to them, tie it up to a doorknob or a piece of furniture. So they're on the bed and it, we're teaching them to just hang out. If they get vocal, I could take a squirt bottle of water, and say hush, squirt them with it, doesn't hurt them. But they start associating, hey, if I'm vocal, I'll get sprayed, you know? And it's a negative, uh, it's a it's a negative correction, although it's not any kind of anything harsh. But they learn and hey, if I'm vocal, squirt, vocal squirt, and you know a lot of times they learn pretty quick to be quiet. Right. So the earlier you can get on this, the better. Um, you know, it, it's much better to do it while they're little. Through exercises like we talked about, the squirt bottle, uh, or if you're in the yard and you're in over, you know, go you know, some marks. Have some. I would recommend you hold the puppy. If somebody else tosses something and he gets noise, it makes a noise. You put him up, and you keep doing it until they're quiet. Even if it takes twenty times, then you're reprogramming uh, potentially what they're genetically pre disposition mm-hmm. so anyhow those are suggestions suggestions i have uh and you know like i said um you you have to be disciplined and you have to be consistent and then you have to say your prayers and hope yeah. that it works
0: let's talk american and british labs can you talk us through the pros and the cons of each Sure. So
1: I love, you know, i bring you from the British labs. I love American labs. I love good dogs. And uh, we train a lot of American labs. You know, we, I'd say, you know, good percentage of what we train are American field bred labs. And I love them. And these are great. Uh, uh, they're great. Uh, they're, so here are some of the, the key and these are ge-
0: generalities. Right. You know, you can certainly have one yeah. or the other that crosses over that's, that's more of a characteristic of the other. But I'm just wanting just some generalities that, that we can uh, put out there. Yeah, so, okay, so
1: where labs are concerned uh, in, at this time in this country for working labs, you've got three principal types. You've got American field bread labs. Then you've got what we call British fieldbred labs, which are dogs that principally come from uh, imported lines, working dogs in Britain. And then you have something called an English lab. So, and a lot of times people confuse what's called an English lab with the British fieldbred lab. So, mm-hmm. uh, what, what American, what the people that run dog shows in America, uh, the confirmation uh, type dogs, they call them English. So, the dogs you see with the wider, shorter face, and the otter tail,
0: uh-huh.
1: those more or less would be from show dogs, okay? Okay. And those, so, those are what's called English. Now, some of those dogs uh, can make nice hunters, you know? A lot of them, uh, they're, but they're not typically as speedy or uh, driven but I've trained some this year that that work. I mean, they they get after it. But for the most part, they're being bred for their build Okay? They're and they're aesthetics, looking. yeah. That's the, that's that's the aesthetics, and they're you know beauties in the eye of, eye of the beholder. But they're from,
0: That's they're right. From the <laughs> I agree. True.
1: <laughs> so then, then you got so that would be the American English lab. And I say it that way because in England, they call their show dogs American, which is kind of huh. interesting. I just found that out last year. But that's the show dog. Then you've got American field bred dogs. And they're, you know, they're everywhere from backyard bred dogs to extremely, uh, you know, high bred dogs uh, with Field trials bill field trials hunt test lines uh, they're, they're, I mean you, you've got a whole gamut of of genetics there um, I love them I think they're incredible uh, pros are you got a lot of drive you're smart uh, they're fun to train because they can take you know you can get on to them and hurt their feelings um, some pros are, I mean, some cons are they're big. You know, the males can be big. Some people, um, you know, don't want one quite as big as that. And then also some of them don't have an off switch. So they're busy. Uh, and so, you know, they're more apt to uh, just be busy all day long, get uh-huh. bored, get into stuff. Um, having said that, that's also, uh, that's a matter of, Handling the, your environment as as the owner handler, uh, and, but but you know they're, they're beautiful to watch run across the rice field. You know you get a ninety pound American, he just lays waste to that rice field. Right. You know it's it's just just zoom zoom. You know awesome. Uh, that dog in the house may be a little bit big. You know right. Um, so but but uh, by and large. Uh, they're incredible dogs. I mean, I I, I, I mean, my first my first lab was an American felt. I mean, he changed my life. I'm here today because of him. That was in 1982, um, and I've had several since. I've trained a ton of them. Yeah, uh, you know, so you, you are more likely to see dogs that whine uh, for the American feel breed uh, lines, uh, very much so. Uh, and we see. Uh, quite a bit, um, yeah, In 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 that, so we see, you know, they're big. Some of them are pretty hyper and don't have an off switch. Some of them, fine. That, those are the cons. The pros are, you know, they, they're most of them are super smart. They're easy to train in the way that you know you can't put pressure without hurting feelings. Uh-huh. And they've obviously proven themselves.
0: I'll run through a brick uh, wall for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so on, on the British side, uh, they, they tend to be smaller. A male's going to probably average about sixty-five pounds. Females are going to be somewhere between fifty and fifty-five pounds. Uh, they are. Uh, uh, so the pros are. I, I get a ton of drive from them. I mean, I don't have. I have not had a problem with drive. Some people say we don't have drive. I haven't seen that. And, and that's comparing across a whole multiple of breeds and type dogs. I mean, they, they get after it. I'm not saying every one of them, but not every American does either.
0: Right.
1: Uh, but they're good, solid little hunters. Um, lots of drive. Uh, you know, uh, they tend to have off switches, so you can have the on and off switch calm but ready. Uh, we see that, and then, the, you know, so so pros' size, uh, you get your, your drive, you get an off switch, uh, and they tend to be very biddable around the house. Um, cons are, they, they are not, most of them, well, not most of them, good many of them can't take much pressure, uh, meaning that you can hurt their feelings by raising your voice, uh-huh. right? particularly the feed customers. Uh, females can get their feelings hurt. So a good portion of the females that we see that we've imported or come from uh, uh, more closely imported lines tend to be softer.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, I think they tend to like that overseas. Uh, I don't particularly like that at all. I like a dog that has an off switch, is very biddable, but I like a dog that's drivey and can take some correction. I'm not talking about beating a dog. I'm talking That's about right. dogs. You can snap a lead, you know uh, you can use an e collar on light settings and they're perfectly happy. You can raise your voice and they don't lay down uh, so so on the con side of things, uh, we do see softness that can be difficult to deal with. so in our breeding program, we breed away from that so. I think our females tend to be driving. Uh, I say drivier, but they're they're pretty dang drivy and and can't take correction. So and that's been we've worked on that for years to try to get away from this office. So so uh, also well, that's the main that's the main con with the British dogs is is uh they tend to and, and if you get one uh if you send them to a lot of trainers that are used to uh, pretty heavy force um, they'll crumble um, they're, they're not made for it mm-hmm. so then they wash out and the, and the guy blames the dog versus being open-minded and trying to reach the dog the best way they can um they tend to say well the dog you know they it's a crappy dog he doesn't You can take that same crappy dog and somebody else get it and go about a more, uh, uh, you know, uh, positive approach. And I'm not saying, you know, you're going to teach the dog to do everything using food and treats. I'm just talking about, you know, uh, not being super forceful, giving it more time to, um, you know, encouragement, more encouragement uh, and bring them on a little slower. A lot of times those dogs end up being incredible hunters uh, they come out of whatever but but they're they're easier to mess up as far as pressure if you're somebody that likes to use heavy pressure I definitely wouldn't get one right so but if you're wanting if, if you're somebody that wants a dog that can really do a very nice job hunting if you want to run hunt tests uh, they certainly uh, can do a very nice job of that um, and you want a dog that's a little smaller, a dog with an off switch. They, they make really nice. Could make a nice. Could make a nice choice.
0: Speaking um, of dog with so, an off switch, dude laying here sleeping, and then he just. I don't know. I think he had a bad dream or something. Did you hear that big old loud bark? <laughs> he just. Let it out. I did. Yeah, he must have had a. He Man, he just popped a, up real quick, and. You have a bad dream, buddy. It's okay. Sorry, Marty. <laughs> yeah. No, so so you know just.
1: I think uh, say Americans, you know, pros are you got great drive. They can take correction. Uh, they have a long history of being great hunters. Uh, uh, cons, they they're big. Uh, they're they're more likely to whine, and they're more likely to uh, not. I'm not saying I'm not trying to say all of them. There's sure. Many that have off switches, and many that are not hyper at all. I mean, not at all. I mean, some of them have more of an off switches. British dog. I mean, it's just, that's why you need to study the parents and study the lines. That's right. Uh, con, you know, those pros, cons and then with the British dogs, pros are you're very biddable for the most part. Uh, you can still get a ton of drive um, and they're smaller. Um, cons are they, you know, they don't take correction as, as, as easily. Uh, you can hurt their feelings. Um, and um, you know, I would be careful about getting one and really study the, the parentage. Uh, uh, just like anything else, you know, I would try to get something that uh, can take some correction. You know, right. I mean, you know, we need to be able to show them right from wrong without hurting the feelings. That's so,
0: right. So with all that said, what's the uh, best dog that you've ever trained in your life? Or what turned oh out gosh. to be just the the ultimate rock star of a dog, you just say, man, you, know, you got those once in a lifetime dogs. And then you got that once in a, you know, just, man, they just don't come know. around. Is there one you that know. really just sticks out to you? Either one that you've owned or one that has been owned by somebody else, a client of yours that I'm sure there's plenty of dogs that were true rock stars, but I'm just talking about that dog. You're just like, you just knew all the way through. He just got it, you know. He just got it, and just was the ultimate gun dog. Oh,
1: he just had every dude. everything
0: you'd look for, just all the all the best traits, aesthetics. You know,
1: Man. everything
0: about him was just dialed. Or her.
1: I, I don't. I don't think that I've ever had a perfect gun dog. Uh, and I don't think I've ever known a perfect person. So there, you know, I, there's something, there's something wrong, say wrong, there's something not preferable with probably every person or dog, you know. Uh, having said that, you know, I, I do have some that are my, my favorites, or, or but I've had several favorites, so.
0: All right. Well, who, who's just, some of your hard. favorites? Who's some of your favorites?
1: Well, my first one uh, Jim Bob. You know, changed my life. was well, so, he your favorite just because, favorite.
0: because he was your first dog, or was he up there probably with the same, just, a yeah, similar no, skill set yeah, as these others?
1: Yeah, probably so because he's my first. But I mean, you know what? He fine. He was an American, uh, great, super well-bred dog, but he fine. and maybe that's why don't like whining so much, but, um, <laughs> uh, cause I had, to, I had to learn to live with it, uh. but that government, he was incredible, you know, in every way. Uh, and he came from some American field trial dogs back in the early eighties. Love that dog. Uh, but, you know, I've had some client, I've got a client dog here now, uh, named chief, um, lost Winnie Briscoe. Um, uh, He's from my dog, Henry and out of Spencer Halper's dog, bro. He's one of my favorites that I've ever trained just because he's so, so smart, perceptible, perceptive and uh, driven. So he's, he's, he's British. He acts a lot like, actually, in my opinion, he acts a lot like American field trout dog because he's mm-hmm. really, really, uh, dri- drivey, uh, and, and real, real focused. So he's been one of my favorites, but you know, um I had a dog named Harvey that died a couple of years ago. Uh, that ch- changed my life. Uh, I imported him from Ireland when he was younger. Um, I had a Springer Spaniel, believe it or not, a field bred Springer, which I'm huge fans of. Those actually, they're great water dogs. but Her name was Tay, and, and she was she was really incredible. Got an American dog. Uh, that that uh, the, the guy up in Brownsville owns that came out of, uh, some uh, a Chris Aiken breeding, and he's one of the most talented dogs that uh, I've ever trained. Mm-hmm. So I don't
0: know, you know, just love them all, you know, love them all with I the good and the bad, and the, the bad. we don't deserve them, yeah. you know, we really don't. Um, you know, the Lord certainly blessed us when he, you know, granted us the. Uh, Opportunity to own these dogs because you know they they love you more than themselves and uh, they just they're they're so selfless and so kind and just want to please and um, you know it's funny we get so mad at them sometimes and there are probably some dogs that just generally are are being dickheads but for the most part I, I don't think they're waking up and saying man you know what I'm just really gonna piss my owner off today, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, I think we think that sometimes and, you know, there might be some really hard headed dogs that, uh, you know, I don't know. I certainly can't read their mind, but um, you know, they're, they're,
1: no, I, I, yeah, they just I, want to please. Yeah.
0: And we're just so lucky. They to have. Them.
1: We are so lucky. I, I've got, I've got a dog named Oak. Uh, that's not quite two and a half. And we, we did a lot of his, we filmed a lot of his training, put it on Instagram and whatnot. But uh, he he's got the potential. To, he's got the potential Well, like he's already one of the best dogs I've I've trained. But uh, also for a personal dog, he's he's been incredible. Uh, at the same time, dude, he's a handful. Of, you know, he's just uh, he he's mischievous. You know. <laughs> and uh i have to really uh kind of watch he he reminds me of a kid with like a 10 year old with adhd or maybe an 8 year old with adhd you know he's just i'm always having to stay one step ahead of him but holy crap man she got potential i mean I uh, – but anyhow I, you know I, I i mean they're just i, I never have a bad day when I'm I'm hanging out with dogs. I mean, not that I don't have bad moments. Sure. uh, And I get frustrated. Uh, You know, I'll get real frustrated at times. But usually, usually it comes back to me uh, where I haven't got the point across to the dog, hadn't taught it what I wanted it to do. Exactly. Uh I hadn't broken it down, made it black and white. But sometimes it's the dog, you know, and, and, Oak is a proud example. You know, I'll, I'll leave the office. He's hanging out with me all day. I'll come back in there and he's had, had gotten up on my desk and gotten something off it. Of, you know, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> maybe a black, maybe a black sharpie or something and chewed on it. And now there's black sharpie stuff all over the office. And,
0: oh, jeez. And
1: I'm like, well, you know, I set myself up for that because uh, A, I know he, he'll do that sometimes. And B, so what I should have had, I should have just had him in a crate if I'm going to not be in there. Most of the time, though. Um, he's great you know uh, anyway i don't know what i'm saying other than to say there's not
0: we're saying this,
1: they're just awesome you know everything about them is awesome but they're not perfect that's right
0: so, that's right you know we've been going i don't know hour 20 now so i don't want to take up any more of your time but quickly we've you know we've got warmer weather coming in a lot of parts of the south we already have warm weather here do you have any uh suggestions for well, I guess not really a suggestion, but how how do we know how hard we can work our dog when it starts getting warm and hot outside? How, yeah, do, no. how how can we tell when maybe we're we're exerting him too much or he's overheating? What are some signs we can look for? Just can you give us some general uh, tips, yeah, tricks a, for uh, this time of year that's approaching?
1: That's a great that's a great question. So, you know. Um, you know the weather matters. What I what we see is a lot of times if someone's self training a dog, I tend to think they train for too long. Uh, you know they they just they almost will train it to the dog just passes out. You know, so I, I think people that tend to train by themselves, uh, and particularly for their first, can they, they tend to overdo it. What I tell people is, uh, if it's obviously, I tell you something interesting. Back when it uh, we had that ice storm, those dogs would have, you know, a month ago, month six weeks ago, you could have worked. And it was zero degrees or five degrees. You could have worked those dogs literally all day. They love it. They now I wouldn't want them to sleep in it, but they, as far as working, they love it. They just they're animated. The hotter it gets, the more careful you have to be. So. Um, what we do is, is is what I do personally is I, I just I, I'm watching the dog. For me, quality in a lesson is more important than quantity. So if I, if I have a goal before I get out there, this is what we're going to work today and this is how our system is. We have flow charts and, and and I know before I go into the field what my goal is for today. If I can get that, in just a few minutes, then I may stop as far as marks or line work, whatever, and then I may do obedience or just hang out with the dog and let him have fun, Uh, but we're we're constantly watching for signs of exhaustion, and and, and we don't want to keep the dog out to that point. They're going to fall off in their sharpness uh, the longer... That you're out there so they will tend to climb you know they'll, they'll tend to be sharp and then they'll hit a point and they start dropping off and you need to stop before they reach the peak you want to stop while you're ahead when you get to that so it may be five minutes or it may be 30 minutes or it may be 45 minutes you know but you want to stop while you're ahead I think most of the time you're going to be you know, 20, 30 minutes in a lesson in the spring. In the summertime, it may be five minutes or it may be 15 or 20. Uh, If it's early in the morning, uh, you know, if you have six in the morning, you you know, 70 degrees, you can do it longer. Midday, you got to be really careful. Uh, Late in the evening, it's dropped back down to the 70s usually. I mean, like, Late, but after after 7 p.m
0: right
1: you can go longer then so I mean it's just common sense mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're, if they if they start looking tired you want you want to stop you don't want to, don't keep going particularly with marks don't keep going just because you think the dog needs more of them
0: right
1: all the needs to be healthy first so yeah uh, you know and, and i am sure be the same thing with like let's say fake pitching in baseball if you've got a goal, And I'm just guessing now, but you say, okay, I want to, I want to reach, I want to be able to throw this this ball today. And when you reach that point, is it better to, once you hit it and you get five good pitches, are you better off stopping then, or you just keep going until you start losing your, your muscle memory or whatever? That's
0: right. That's right. It's a good point. So, so, so knowing
1: when to stop is just as important as what you're doing whatever your lesson is, you need to know when to stop. Definitely. And I tend to like to stop at, you know, a lot of that's gut, it's it's a gut feel, but I want to stop on my head, and I, I don't want to reach the point where they start going down uh, physically or mentally. I want them sharp. Definitely. We, hit, we hit our point, maybe five minutes, maybe 20, they're still healthy, they're still sharp, then we're gonna stop, you know? Yeah. If it's like early spring, you can keep them out you know early spring wintertime is kind of tough uh, but I say early spring you can keep them out longer you get in the middle of summertime you need to train early and you need to keep the lessons short so um, i think consistency <laughs> and
0: repetition you know is is far going to outweigh um, you know say you're working and you only have so much time to get out I think if you can create some consistency create some repetition you know make a goal get out with your dog. X amount of times during the week is going to be uh, much more efficient than if you only can get out with your dog once a week, running them to death, running them past the point of being effective, staying sharp. You think, oh, we'll get a, you know, an hour training session in once a week when in reality, shoot, take yourself, take five or 10 minutes and do that five days a week. And I think you're going to see that the consistency and uh, the repetition getting used to getting out there, getting excited, looking forward to it is probably going to carry you much further in the long term than length of your training schedules. Would that be pretty accurate?
1: I, I, yes, absolutely. 100% absolutely. Uh, you know, if you're training a dog for an hour, a young dog, you know, a puppy and learning you know six seven eight months old you're way 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 over training that dog probably
0: setting them up for failure uh,
1: I see I also you see people self training a lot they'll, they'll be training two three times a day and they're staying out there too long because they're excited about it right and that's when you'll start seeing attitudes really fall off uh, with the puppies mm-hmm. uh, so so I'll give one example and then when you know, move on. But I had uh, a guy that got a puppy from me about eight years ago, nine years ago, a friend of mine, and uh, he's all excited. He's doing all his training and he called me. He wanted to show me his his, uh, his six month old puppy was running blinds, and I was like, <laughs> okay. So he gets out here, you know, and he he sends her, you know, and she goes, and she trots out there about 25 yards, and she pops and turns and looks at him. He gives her a cast, and she trots over there, picks a bumper up. And I'm like, okay. And i, I watch for a minute. I said, you know, I said, you've trained this dog to death, haven't you? I said, how, many, how how long are you training this dog every day? He goes, oh, I do it for, you know, hour, hour and a half in the morning, hour, hour and a half in the evening. And I was like, okay. Uh, I said, okay, well, First of all, you need to, you know, have 15 minute lessons and you need to quit trying to run blinds and you need to quit doing any steadiness with this dog. And you need to let it be fun. You go through fun bumpers again and you start building up some drive because this puppy's lost all this desire right now. And so he did that, right? So then the next time I saw him, he's like, yeah, man, she loves it. He goes, he goes, uh. He goes, but now I think she's getting bored. And I was like, Well, what what are you doing? I said, and and so he said, he said, Well, I'm throwing all marks, you know, I'm not holding her back, I'm letting her go, she loves it. And he goes, And then she'll reach a certain point and she'll just start losing interest. I said, Well, how many marks are you throwing? He goes, Well, you know, we'll go out in a lesson, you know, maybe seventy or eighty. And I was (laughs) like, Holy crap. I was like, All right, we gotta check it back down again and then find somewhere in the middle and you know and he did that and she turned out great you know but you can underdo it overdo it you're much better off
0: you know what that thing makes me think of marty you know those parents that they they want it more than the kid like that kid playing travel ball you know basketball or baseball and they they push this kid so hard he's playing like year round he's playing in the spring he's playing in the summer he's playing fall ball it's non-stop it's like the parent wants it so bad for them and they they love it and they're so amped up and the kid just gets to the point where they're just like man they're just going through the exactly. motions and by the time they're 12 they freaking hate it and don't want to play anymore because they're they, they've just had it all the fun yeah, they've, completely taken and they've out of it her you know and
1: they blow their arm out that's what it makes me think
0: of you know just takes all the fun out of it all the joy out of just you know that old saying let the kids play you know just like the let them let them play you know it kind of that's what that kind of makes me think of with the dog just let the dog be a dog and and and, and in due time you know this this stuff can happen but let the dog enjoy being a dog have some fun and um it's funny while you're saying that that, that's what
1: the same kid at one time really loved baseball. Right. And then the parent, like you said, just way overdid it, and then they lose interest. So, bottom line is, for, I think you need to find a good program, follow the program, keep your lessons short, uh, as as weather short or longer as the weather permits. But in most training, you don't really need to go over about twenty minutes most of the time. Uh, if you did two 10-minute sessions, or even one 10-minute session a day, but you did it every day, you're much better off doing that than you know taking Sunday afternoon and going out and spending an hour right. or hour and a half with a young dog, and it, it just doesn't work. Or you take it out every day for an hour because you've got you think you have a prodigy. That's what my friend thought he had. He wanted to prove everybody that he
0: could. Right. So, so
1: it's just about balance. Just everything in life is about balance. Certainly. So, uh,
0: definitely, that's yeah. that's good stuff, man. Um, folks, you can find Marty Sporting Life Kennels. They've got a program, Retriever University. It's a great program. Take you from A to Z all the way through with your gun dog. It's a you know it's a great place to follow. I'm sure if you reach out, if you have any questions, any concerns, um, you know, I'm sure Marty's. Uh, more than more than happy to to answer any questions you have or to try to help you out. They run a great program over there uh, in Oxford at Sporting Life. Marty, I appreciate you joining me uh, today, man. It was it was good catching up with you,
1: man. Yeah, Astro, thanks, man. I I appreciate it, and uh, you know we love little product placement here, or whatever. But but we love you know the Dive Bomb products. They're awesome we use them loves you know, the silhouettes are just killer uh it's been great getting to know you and uh, i've enjoyed i enjoy training simba and it's been fun to watch his progress and uh you know anyway I, I appreciate you he's
0: a fun dog you guys you guys did a great job um maximizing his potential you know like we talked about he uh he's he's not that kid uh you know batting up on the best the best player in the world but but he's a, a just a hell of a pet he's wonderful with my kids and he and he's a he's a quality quality gun dog and you know I think you guys really really maximized everything you could get out of Simba you know going back you kind of you kind of spoke on the the females at times with with british labs that can be kind of soft. You know, I think it's Simba. He, it's funny. People, a lot of people think he's a girl. They're like, Oh, he's beautiful. What's her name? And you know, it's, it's funny. He almost <laughs> kind of takes on some of those, those soft female traits. And that's one thing that you kind of t- taught me early on when I got him. And you're like, Hey man, like less is more with this guy, man. Like keep it, keep it short. Give him some confidence. Like confidence is going to go so far with this dog. And, um, and it really does, man. You can totally see it and uh, I wouldn't trade him for anything in the world. I've, you know, I've hunted with some great dogs and, and uh, I love them all. But, but this little guy right here, I, uh, I'm totally in love with him and I wouldn't, wouldn't trade him for the world. My family loves him. My kids love him and uh, we're, we're just real thankful for him. And, and I, I think he's just going to keep getting better and better. He's, he's made some great strides every year from one to the next and he's already doing things this spring uh, we've, you know, we've been out working a little bit, probably not as much as we should, but we've been out working a couple times a week and um, he's doing things a little bit differently even than he was this season. So I just feel oh, like all these yeah. pieces are really kind of starting to come together for him. And I could see year three for him just being, being off the chart. Yeah. So awesome. uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys, Marty. And I will, yeah. uh, I will talk to you soon, sir. You have a good rest of your day.
1: Thanks,
0: buddy. Okay, Talk Marty. To you later. See you later. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, Marty Roberts, Sporting Life Kennels. That was a good time. Marty, he's a he's a great dude. He really is. I've enjoyed getting to know Marty and uh, going out, visiting their facility, seeing what they're all about. They've got a nice setup over there. And he's just a really, a really kind, helpful guy. He's, he's, he's very good for this industry. We dropped a new YouTube video recently, uh, Duck Banding with Osborne Lab. We banded 100 mallards in one night in the flooded timber here in Arkansas. It was absolutely awesome. You guys go check that out. Do us a favor, hit that subscribe button. Dial Bomb Squad Fest is rapidly approaching. I look forward to meeting many of you in person. It's going to be a lot of fun. Until next time, y'all be good. Thank you for listening to the Dog Bomb Squadcast.